there is a romantic fantasy in our culture, which is your spouse and you should do all things together and be all things to each other. And I don't know why we dreamed that one up, but it is a romantic fantasy for an awful lot of people. But the reality is that's absolutely not so. This week, we discuss, is your spouse your everything? Is your spouse your everything and only thing? Dr. Noelle Nelson explains why that might not be such a great idea. Stay tuned. The whole mission of Hitched is to help couples enjoy their marriage and live happily ever after. That's one of the reasons we have the Hitched Wine Club. We wanted to offer something that would be a reminder every month for couples to sit down, reconnect, and enjoy the company of one another. We have partnered with the fantastic Touring and Tasting who hand-select the wines that will be delivered to your door each month. You can go to our website, hitchedmag.com, click on the Wine Club link, and check out the different club options available to you. Again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link. Cheers! Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again with the lovely, the, the talented, the brilliant Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. <laughs> hi, Steve. Uh, hi, hi, hello. Um, Noelle is a relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, Noelle is the author of many, many, many best-selling books, including Your Man is Wonderful, Dangerous Relationships, and most recently, Happy, Healthy, Dead, which is a fantastic book uh, that I, I highly recommend. You can get this information at her website, noellenelson.com. You can find her books on all the major bookstores, including Amazon, and we have links to uh, her stuff on our website, hitchmag.com. Uh, today, we are going to talk about don't make your one and only your all and only. Uh, one of the big mistakes that couples make is thinking that their spouse should be their all things to them. Uh, certainly your spouse is your number one significant other, but you say, Noel, that making your spouse is not just your one and only, but your all and only can be detrimental to your marriage. Um, how so? Well, let's think about it for a moment. If you are spending every waking moment from that nice snuggle in the morning through breakfast and then, okay, maybe you part for work briefly, but all your time, if you will, that's not spent at work with your spouse, it is frankly overwhelming because, and this is something very few people think about, there is a scale of introversion to extroversion, meaning that everybody's different in how much time they need to access their internal workings, if you will, your own private thoughts and emotions and all the rest of it, and how much stimulation you need from the outside world. Mm -hmm. Well, your spouse is stimulation from the outside world, right? Mm -hmm. And to have, to, to expect them to be the food, if you will, for everything, your inner needs, your outer needs, all of it, you know, you exercise together, you go to the gym together, you have dinner together, you cook together, you raise the kids together. Um, it can be just downright overwhelming, if not exhausting, for one or the other of you. Yeah. Because usually you aren't the same. 
<laughs> in your in your needs, if you will, for extroversion, introversion, mm-hmm. inner need, outer need. And somebody's going to get weary. Mm-hmm. Now, that is very unfortunate because love relies on what? Excitement. Uh, and not just in the bedroom excitement, but relies on the, the fun of the interaction together, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're getting exhausted by the presence of the other all the time, all the time, all the time, you you will no longer have those little bits of spark and excitement that I don't care if you've been married three months, three years, 30 years need to be there. Yeah. I, it, it, it's interesting. Um, one of my favorite things is when my spouse does something without me and I get to, uh, inquire about her experience. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the best because I, it is the best. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute because yeah. that, if you will, is more the specifics of, well, okay, so how do you do this? Yeah, I was afraid I was going to jump um, on some of the future. <laughs> so. <laughs> but that's okay because you're totally, you're totally on, the, on the track with this, Steve. Yeah. Is, is, you got it. You got it. Which is to say when, when you rely on your spouse to be your everything, literally, mm-hmm. then – you know it, it, what's funny, and I'm going to sidetrack for a moment, is that is a romantic fantasy. Mm. There is a romantic fantasy in our culture, which is your spouse and you should do all things together and be all things to each other. And I don't know why we dreamed that one up, but it is a romantic fantasy for an awful lot of people. But the reality is that's absolutely not so. I think it, it th- that's really interesting because I, there are two stereotypes, I think, uh, you know, f- for – most pop culture references when it comes to marriage. The first, and I think the more typical is your spouse as the ball and chain. Um, I, yeah, I hate that one too. And I think, um, and unfortunately it's also sexist in the fact that it's typically the wife who is uh, viewed as the ball and chain, not the man. Um, and then the second one I feel like is the, what you're talking about is the overreaction to that, which is, uh, I can't breathe without you by my side. You know, we right. love each other so much that I can't imagine spending a single second away from you. Um, but as we're discussing now, well, that might be a nice sentiment to have. It's not healthy for the relationship because you lose all that outside stimulus. Um, right. Which brings us to uh, friends. And so I wanted to ask yes. you, what specifically do your friends bring to your marriage other than the typical gender thing of girls night out, boys night out, that kind of stuff? Friends bring something new. And the the incredible importance of something new is so very, very valuable to a marriage. Just what you said earlier, Steve, which is when Jessica goes out, your wife, Jessica, goes out with friends or whatever, she comes back and she brings something new to your equation, the equation called Steve plus Jessica. And you now have an expanded version, if you will, of Jessica to appreciate, to have fun with, to interact with. And that's the part that people who are into the I can't breathe without you thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the sentiment's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is neither one of you can grow, can expand, can become more of yourself if you don't have some outside influence. Mm -hmm. You just can't. It's like the two of you in a little bubble. 
and a bubble has no <laughs> you know no air holes or whatever <laughs> bad analogy but yeah, no, yeah. the bottom line is yeah when even when you go to work right mm-hmm. And your spouse comes home from their, their job or comes home from a day with the kids, whatever. They bring something new to the table mm-hmm. as long as they talk about it or, you know, interact, whatever. And it's that newness because we, we don't realize it, but we do change constantly over life. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily in big ways, mm-hmm. but we change. And that's a good thing because if we didn't change, it would be an extremely boring world. Yeah, and on, and when you think about it too, I, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but like I want to be better than I was yesterday, in all yes. aspects of my life, and you cannot do that without change. Um, right. And and you know, we've used the metaphor of uh, gardening and all that kind of stuff before in in relationship to uh, relationships. Of you need to you know water it and tend it and give it attention, all that stuff. I kind of think about this stuff as this is the fuel. This is the soil that will help everything grow. You, 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 yeah, you need to put attention on your relationship, which might be like the sunshine or whatever, but you need that soil. You need the fuel. And this is the stimulus that you can chew on and have conversations over and open your mind with, um, by having, having, friends, uh, that you interact with and, and do experiences that you interact with, uh, that you might not do otherwise. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and being open, I think that, you know, there are some couples that lived in what I think of as a very closed relationship where they rely on each other for pretty much everything. But I think that when you open up and you allow friends to contribute, that you've got a far richer environment, like you said, that soil, that fuel, mm-hmm. then becomes really, really well fertilized. Yeah, <laughs> if no. we're not taking this analogy too far. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting too because uh, I would say probably the biggest—I don't want to say complaint—the biggest hurdle that most people, at least that I come in contact with, in, in relationship to this kind of stuff, is they will say time. Like they just don't have time. Uh, which I right. totally understand. However, I feel like it's a misuse of priorities. Um, you can find time when you make it important in your life. And mm-hmm. I'm busy. My wife's busy. Everybody, everybody's busy. I, I, don't, I, I don't think I'm special. Um, so one of the things that we started doing quite a while ago, actually, is we started scheduling dinners with friends and we started scheduling date nights and we started scheduling all the things that were important to us because right. trying to have them happen um spontaneously spontaneously was, was just yeah. never going to work it just i mean we tried no. and it just doesn't work and so now <laughs> yeah and so now we we do we make plans we have dinner plans with friends coming up and even with my friends who you know I pick my friends they pick me we we like hanging out together we have right. built into our uh, lifestyles certain things that we do just so we can see each other. Um, I, I mean, I see some friends every single weekend uh, because that's we, we've built our lifestyles around seeing each other. And I know for a lot of people, particularly parents, they have kids where they go to like sporting events or whatever. And that might be that time mm-hmm. for you. But um, anyways, I know you wanted to jump in here. 
Oh, that's okay. I, I'm thinking that sometimes, because time is, of course, an issue for all of us. I mean, it's, you know, if you're alive and kicking, time is an issue. So I have some friends that combine stuff. I'm thinking in particular of a husband of one of my girlfriends, and he goes to the gym and he has friends there. Mm-hmm. So while they're working out, they have their guy thing. And it's very important to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his wife loves that he does that because, frankly, he comes back rejuvenated and refreshed, not just from the gym, but from the guy stuff, yeah. from whatever they, they talked about and so forth. And then, you know, he shares with his wife whatever was relevant. But it's it's that kind of thing, I think, where you can combine stuff. When you mentioned the parents having um, sporting events for their kids is they'll often see their their parental friends, meaning their, yeah. you know, their other mothers and dads there at the sports event. And there's friendship stuff going on, yep. even while they're paying attention to the game and their kids and all that. So often I think it's, it's, you can combine stuff mm-hmm. and that helps the time factor. It, yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. So uh, my wife and I, we have talked about moving in the past. And for me, I, I, I feel like I'm super fortunate um, because I, I grew up basically since kindergarten with the same friends who I am still, I still see every week. Um, and so my, my wife calls them the sandbox crew. And every time we talk about moving someplace, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, every time we talk about moving someplace that's cheaper because we live in Southern California where it's really expensive. Uh, it, it's always like, well, what, I mean, what's the point? Um, like, right. what's the point of your day? What's the point of your life? All that kind of stuff. And if I can't see my friends, if I can't hang out with people I like, and yes, I could make new friends and whatnot, but what, you know, we, I feel like I'm fortunate in that I've been able to recognize the power and the importance of those outside my relationship relationships. Yep. Um, yep. and it always comes back to that. And, and even when we, I mean, we're, we don't plan on moving, but, um, even when it does get, you know, we, we just kind of play around with the fantasy of, okay, so how would that work? It's like, well, you could, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be cheaper and you could fly back all the time, you know? And it's just like, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. why move then if we have to fly, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, there's all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's interesting because it is such a powerful and important thing. Um, yes. And I think I'd like, if, if I may, before we, we leave the, uh, the friendship part of um, this discussion is to mention one thing that's really, really important is to share your your friend experience with your spouse. Mm, yeah. Okay. Not in. It, it, not, I'm not talking about details, uh-huh. right? But there's nothing worse than you you come home from having I don't know had lunch with friends or whatever, and your your spouse says, "So, honey, how was it?" And you say, "Fine." Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just not good. You, you, it, the whole idea of having these outside relationships is not just to refresh yourself, but it's also to bring something new and stimulating or fun or whatever to the relationship. And it doesn't require more than just saying, oh, you know, uh, so-and-so is off to a new project and he's real worried about it or excited about it or whatever. And just, you know, a little bits that then, if you will, reconnect you to your spouse, but now in with something new. So I, I know this is not where this podcast is supposed to go, but I'm going to ask anyway, the character of friends that you have, because I can yes. imagine scenarios where you do go hang out with friends and it is just unproductive. Um, you don't really talk about, particularly guys, because I know 
when there are definitely days and when I go and see my friends and we talk about nothing but fantasy football or we right. sit and watch football and we don't really talk about much at all of anything. Right. Except for the plays right. that are happening on the TV. So I come home and it's, you know, how was it? It was good. Uh, would you get, you know, what'd you guys discuss? Uh, because this is actually how the conversation goes in my, my house. Uh, and right. you know, well, we talked, we talked about football and that was it. Um, now if right. it was more pervasive than that, if it really was just not productive, um, it, <sighs> I, you know, I'm not then you to might advocate. as well just right. Yeah. <laughs> if if all you're doing with your friends, all of your friends, if all you're doing anytime you're seeing each other is sitting in front of the boob tube watching football and saying, oh. "Hey, watch that play," yeah. then I strongly recommend that you either do something different with those same friends or add some some mm-hmm. additional new yeah. friends to your roster. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get at without being. <laughs> you know, the two by yourself at that point. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at and be delicate about it because, um, yeah, like I, I don't want, I don't want to break up friendships and I don't want to tell people that their, their friendships are unproductive. Uh, but I do think I, that's what I wanted to get at is, you know, have, but you can always that same set of friends that with whom you're usually and have been for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. watching fantasy foot or, you know, football too. say, Hey, how about we go out and do some miniature golf? It's pretty stupid, but you can learn it in about one minute and we might get some yucks. I mean, you can suggest something and get yourselves out of your overly comfortable zone. Yeah. And you, I mean, you can even just, you, come in with some some topics that you want to discuss that would spark interesting conversation that you could take home too so absolutely yeah or you can even find i mean i'll tell you something there's other things to notice about football than the actual play sometimes there's stuff going on about the players sometimes there's stuff going on about that stadium or maybe it reminds you something that happened in that city i even if you're sort of starting with the football just taking that as an example, uh, arena, there's more to it than oh, just who's tossing the ball. It, it's really f- interesting because this year in particular, everybody knows about the kneeling down for the national anthem and all that stuff, which has sparked tons of conversation. And yeah. I have friends who want to talk about it and want to talk about uh, criminal justice reform and discrimination and all the stuff. Uh, that goes along with that stance. And then I have other friends who are completely adamant. This is football. I just, I just want to get away from politics. I want to get away from all this stuff. I just want to watch football, whatever. Um, and it's, and that in itself becomes a conversation. <laughs> and so absolutely, it, it gets really interesting um, how it evolves and how there, to your point, there, there are tons of opportunities uh, if you just, yeah get a little creative with it. Um, yeah. Okay. So what about couple friends? Uh, this is something that I, I kind of brought up, uh, and, and how they might be beneficial to your marriage. Well, couple friends are really interesting because depending on their behavior, they can either be really, really good for your marriage. In other words, your own relationship, or they can be not so good. And let me explain what I mean by that is a couple friends who are a sound or solid couple themselves who have fun together, who set appropriate boundaries for themselves, who are, if you will, um, 
I, I don't re- really want to use the word productive in the sense of work, but who are um, alive and kicking, okay, mm-hmm. who have interests in life. Those are great couple friends because they they are not in any way a threat, if you will, to the sanctity of anybody's relationship, mm-hmm. okay? They know who they are. They're happy together. And so they bring nothing but positive stuff. You may not agree with, with, with their stance politically or whatever. That's not the point. But, but they are able to have adult conversations. They're appropriate. Those are great. And, and it doesn't matter. You know, it's interesting to me as I've gotten older, as I've noticed I've got friends on both ends. I've got friends way younger than I am. And then I've got friends way older than I am. Uh-huh. And I love them all. Because they bring very different things mm-hmm. to my uh, world. Now, the friends aren't so good is where the couple isn't itself sound. And so one or the other of them is a flirt. And I'm not talking about that kind of just cute, I don't know. There's a kind of cute flirt that's completely innocuous. But there's another kind of flirt that has a little too much power under it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's people who aren't really great with their own boundaries and who maybe uh, get angry too quickly or withdraw too quickly or touch inappropriately. And I don't mean big, fat harassment hot touch. I mean, mm-hmm. just, you know, eh, a little bit outside other people's comfort zones. Then there's the couples who bitch about each other in public. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's- For one, they shouldn't be bitching about each other in private, but but if they're yeah. doing it in public, then you know that things are going awry. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it has more – the way to know if a couple friend uh, is is beneficial to your own couple is how good a couple are they. I don't mean that they have to be you know, Lancelot and Guinevere or Romeo and Juliet or whatever. Right. They don't have to be that romantic fantasy, but are they good together? Do they have fun together? Do they do they have lives that have some some kick to them? Mm-hmm. Those are good couple friends. Um. Okay. So maybe it's me as editor of Hitched. What would you say is the responsibility? Like, I feel like we can avoid scenarios that are not good, um, and it's absolutely fine and acceptable. So you mentioned that the bad couple friend, um, who yes. get you know, you, you hang out and they bitch and, and whatever. Should somebody like, if you are on stable footing and these, they, I mean, these are your friends. I mean, these are just friends that yeah. just happen to have a dysfunctional relationship at the moment. Um, or mm-hmm. maybe it's always been that way. Should you step mm-hmm. in and, and, and make comments of, you know, yeah, you know, maybe someone you shouldn't say such things <laughs> in front of other people. Um, Mm -hmm. because if you're not going to help them with their relationship and model good, I mean, you can, you're obviously modeling good behavior by being there and and treating your spouse well, but if you don't call it out, um, how is the spouse who might be the victim in that relationship going to find the courage or strength to speak up for themselves if nobody else is willing to have their back? You know, what I've always found helpful is to frame whatever you're going to say. And I agree with you, especially if they're friends and they're going through a rough patch. Yeah. I assume that if you start off with a new couple and you find that they are immediately, you know, um, uh, 
disrespecting each other, then you don't have to make a friendship there. But we're going to assume that these are people who've been friends for a while and they're basically, you know, good folks and so forth, but they're going through some kind of rough patch and they're taking it out on each other in public, um, would be to frame whatever you have to say as an I statement, mm. not a you statement. Mm-hmm. So it would be saying something like, you know, John, I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable when you say stuff like that about Louise. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind, I mean, I'm going to make it on me. I'm going to make I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And then either he or she will take the hint and go, oh, sorry, I'm at it again, or whatever, or not. But that, I think, is a um, – how do I say? You can't rescue – not you can't, but it's not your role to rescue them. Uh-huh. So to tell people what they should or should not do, unless they're your kids, you <laughs> yeah. know, is probably not a really good idea. But to let them know that, you know, mm, you know, I, I'm kind of this, this really isn't like you. That's another thing you can say. Mm. This this is, really isn't like you, um, John. I'm uh, I'm kind of uncomfortable with with this kind of talk. The, Do you the, see how I'm I'm softening yeah, it like crazy? No, that's that's I mean that's brilliant. And and the thing that makes that so brilliant too is they can't rebut your feelings. If you say I'm well, exactly, they can't say like, no, you're not, <laughs> you know, it's exactly. Like- and they can't say none of your damn business. If I'm uncomfortable, I have the absolute right to, to voice that. Yeah. And I'm not doing it in the mean way. I'm saying, well, I'm uncomfortable. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, these are your friends. Yep. Yep. But absolutely. Yeah, done in that kind of soft way, I think you're right. I think that, and some people, sometimes people are unconscious of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. We're assuming these are not bad people, so they may just, in their own frustration with each other or with the situation, be voicing stuff and not really realizing how it's coming across. Yeah, um, I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I one last thing that I wanted to mention is you brought up, and I don't want these things to get confused. Is the only reason I'm bringing coming back to this. You brought up the uh-huh. fact that there are solid couples who you don't agree with. You know, it might be politics right. or something else. Uh, Jess and I, we have friends who are on the complete political spectrum, opposite side of the spectrum. Um, and we get into like really great discussions. Um, (laughs) and they are, I mean, they're great people. Um, we just do not see the world the same. And it's fun discussions is, it is. And because they are great people and they're smart and they're thoughtful and everything else, we, we have some of the most stimulating conversations with people I disagree with most. And it's awesome. It is really awesome. So uh, I just wanted to point out that, um, when I'm talking about these couples that are struggling, um, it's not that you agree or disagree with them, which is something you brought up before. I just didn't want those waters to get muddy. No, and I agree. And I think that if anything, it's wonderful because then you go home and, and in the car going home with Jessica after a, a, a dinner, whatever, with people that politically speaking, for example, mm-hmm. you don't agree with at all. You two then have a great conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really does. <laughs> and it's it's interesting, too, because it also helps. I mean, it just because we are, you know, not going off into the weeds too much here, but because we are so divided ideologically right now as a nation, uh, it is great to have these conversations because at least even if you don't agree and you never uh, will agree, at least you understand where they're coming from or their thought behind their stance. Um, yeah, and absolutely. you know, on occasion, y- you might find that they're it's not logical or it's not rational, or they might realize that they're holding on to this 
for reasons that they don't understand or, you know, or you might be holding on to something for reasons you don't understand or, you know, it challenges you. And we're back to that idea of expansion. If nothing else, it expands your understanding of life, of the world, of your friends. And expansion is really what it's all about. Yeah, growth. Exactly. Um, Okay. Mm -hmm. So then lastly here, you, uh, I wanted to find out if there is some kind of ratio of how much interaction you should have with friends compared to uh, interactions with your spouse. You know, there's no hard and fast on this, Steve, because everybody's different. Mm -hmm. But I would suggest that kind of like date nights, usually once a week, I would suggest that friend time would be once a week for most people. That's a reasonable amount of time that you can carve out of whatever. And it doesn't have to be a night. It can be, you know, Sunday mornings or Saturday afternoon or whatever fits. And maybe you like more than that. And maybe once every other week is, is fine. But about once a week is seems to be a good portion of time that you can then bring something interesting to the couple table. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that I wanted to make a point of is look – Look at the natural places where this can happen. Uh, we have yes. calendars full of events throughout the year from, you know, people are now doing Friendsgiving instead of, well, not instead of, but in in, in addition to Thanksgiving, um, mm-hmm. you get it. So you can plan to see friends around that time. Uh, in the summertime, mm-hmm. you have Fourth of July parties, um, barbecues, whatever. There are tons of excuses to see friends. And so I feel mm-hmm. like you should just lean into those. And I've talked about this specifically with Valentine's Day, how it's a day that you can unabashedly celebrate the love of your relationship. And, you know, a lot of people think it's blah, it's a, you know, Hallmark holiday or whatever. But like, who, what does it matter? Who cares? Right. Like, really? <laughs> so it is. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, are there, everybody's trying to push love on you. Is that such a bad thing? Um, right. And so with all this stuff, look at your calendar, look and see, oh, we have this weekend, this weekend, this day, you know, this movie's coming out. Like there's so many things that you can find an excuse to give yourself permission to see your friends and, and spend some time with them. Right. Um. Okay. Uh, Was there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I just want to reinforce in addition to your point of, you know, there's lots of excuses that are out there uh, on any given year to see your friends is scheduling regular regular time to get together, just like date night is a regular scheduled Mm -hmm. thing, is, as far as I'm concerned, given all of our respective obligations, uh, the easiest way Mm, to do it. Yeah. To make sure that, you know, yeah. Uh, my it's it's funny my um, my friends and I for years we used to have a regular poker night uh, <laughs> specifically so we would just get together uh, and hang out yep. and um, yep. and and that was honestly it's like yeah we like to play cards but it was it was it was just specifically for that and I know a lot of people out there do game nights with their friends and other things like that so. Yeah, yep. you can find you can find things to do and and maybe you know maybe it's a hobby of some sort where you like to try restaurants or you know there's so many there's so many things you can you know yep. go climbing or I don't know. 
you you people know what you like. <laughs> you don't even. There you me. go. There you um, go. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this was this was fantastic. Um, so I want to thank you so much for your time, Noel. It is always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and before we go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Noel Nelson, who is a relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, as the author of many, many best-selling books. Uh, include her most recent relationship books are "Your Man Is Wonderful" and dangerous relationships uh her most recent book is happy healthy dead uh it is how you can live a happy fulfilling uh active life all the way up to the end it's, it's really fantastic um and from that uh came a group called meet the amazings which you can follow on facebook and google plus uh it is uh really inspiring um uh, very frequently uh noelle posts stories of of these people who are you know 60 70 80 90 um who are doing just like crazy things i there was a guy that you posted recently noel i think it was yet well this podcast is going to go up later but um he was a man who i don't know 70s or 80s the australian who swam Oh, yes. South African. South African. Who swam the English Channel at 73, having swum it at age 50. And he's a cardiac surgeon who is in active practice. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's amazing. And he's a youngster. We have, I mean, I've got people in there 90 and 100 doing skydiving and all sorts of crazy stuff. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. So if you, if you, uh, need a little, uh, jolt of inspiration, be sure to check that out. Again, it's Meet the Amazing. You can find them on Facebook. Um, and, uh, if if you can't remember the stuff, go to noelnelson.com. Uh, and of course we have links on our website to Noelle and her stuff at hitchedbag.com. So, uh, one last time. Thank you so much, Noelle. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. We're all kind of the